Welcome to the Black Belt Podcast. You're listening to episode 42. Today's guest is Mason Jones. Mason is currently the Cage Warriors lightweight champion, which along with being 9-0 has him right on the cusp of getting signed to the UFC. Mason has a background in a number of martial arts, such as kickboxing, boxing and judo, which give him a well-rounded base and make it no surprise he has got off to such an excellent start to his career. I really enjoyed chatting to Mason, he's a sound guy. We spoke about a number of things, like his career to now, weight cutting and some general MMA chat as well. Like always, make sure to like, share and subscribe and hope you enjoy. Uh, so what's up Mason, how are you? Yeah, very good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks a million for coming on, really appreciate it. Even with the, the schedule being, uh, being, uh, uh, <laughs> being packed up at the moment. <laughs> yeah, but, well, uh, talking to the fight now, so um, I don't actually have a date confirmed because there's three nights, uh, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So I'm fighting either the 24th, the 25th or the 26th. Um, no idea on a venue or opponent, but apparently it's all getting sorted and I'm going to hear next month. So my first title defense and um, then get back to uh, smashing people in the face. Nice. So uh, <laughs> where, 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 fun. where are them fights? Uh, where are they meant to take place? Like, what venue? Is it on an England or? So nothing yet. So they haven't even announced. Um, I think it will be. Um, would surprise me if it's Manchester where I defended last time or if they get their own venue. <sighs> They're keeping everything tight with the chest. So what all, all I know is matchmakers. Um, the matchmaker is meeting the manager um, of Cage Warriors, Graham, and they're doing that on the first of July. Uh, and then literally they're going to start sending out um, sort of the old verbal confirmations before they send the contracts. And then I think after that, they'll, well, it, as soon as they send the contracts, they'll be listed where the fights are. So yeah. That's got a class for Cage Warriors, though, like three shows in a row. That's supposed to be a first for them, like. Yeah, it's, it's going to be wild. So, um, obviously, they did the Night of Champions. Now, this time, they're going to do three events, and they're on about doing two title fights per card. So, do you mean six title fights over a weekend? It's going to be, uh, it's going to be insane. Like 30 main card events. Uh, well, sorry. Um, there'll be five main main cards uh, on and five of the prelims. So it's 30 pro fights and what, 15 main events, six on title fights. So it's, it's going to be a wild, a wild weekend if, if it all goes ahead. Yeah. Sounds class. Looking for It's great. To, it's great to have sport coming back. Like I know the UFC have kind of been yeah, push, really. pushing on doing a bit, but it's great to have yeah. more fights and even more sports. It's great to kind of start getting back to normal. Yeah, 100%. Um, obviously, I was on the last show before a lockdown sort of hit properly. I remember the Friday we fought, they'd just gone into lockdown, and then obviously the next day it started getting heavy, and they increased sanctions on the Monday then. But um, it, it's been a weird time, do you know what I mean? Especially coming, obviously, you know the same in combat sports. It's just been, no one really knows what's been happening. No one... Uh, no one's sort of sure on what they should have done and what they couldn't with training. So it, it has been a weird few weeks. Yeah. Was there, was there a crowd at your last fight or was that behind kind of closed doors? No, behind closed doors. So um, it was different, but um, it was just it, like, I got a fight. Um, I got a fight and obviously grabbed the belt and um, my family were all up there celebrating afterwards. And um, obviously I had, I had my corner team in, in my corner anyway. So it was, it's just another day, do you know what I mean? It was another fight and um, it was one I obviously enjoyed, uh, especially getting the stoppage in the first round um, against a class opponent as Joe. So I sort of showed uh, my calibre and showed that I, do you know what I mean, I can knock out these these legit contenders and that um, I'm, I am ready for UFC now. Yeah. 
do you think you'll get the call fairly soon? I think obviously it's depending on circumstance. Um, it's, it's, it's an eventuality for me, but obviously it just depends on when. Like like we said, um, I could get before September. I could get after September. I could not get until it may be next September. Um, it just it all it all depends on what's happening, what UFC looking for, um, if they're interested, and multiple things. Like um, I know my name's definitely mentioned before. Um, Uriah's mentioned that they. Um, that he's been pushing my name a lot and that they had sort of said they're already looking and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm not far away, but this day and age is so much harder to get signed as a British fighter. And um, even though it's easier as well, um, it's just the fact that when I mean, when you train up with people from the States and they get signed like four and five, no records. And obviously they they'll chuck them in, they'll give them a few bites. And then if they bounce out, it's no problem. But with UK fighters, Obviously, I'm the get a work visa before they can fight over the US. They're, they're, they're a bit more selective with who they sign and you sort of have to get a bigger record or a bit of a, bit, uh, bigger publicity. So I'm just going to sort of do the way, um, do well, exactly following what Jack did. Um, obviously, Jack won the belt. He defended once and then he went and built up a big load of following this along the way. And it's the same sort of thing I've done. Like, I've got a big following. Um, I'm nine and um, Obviously, one defense would be ten and and that's a good a good number to to move across with. Yeah, it's quite, yeah. It, like you said, it can be it can be good and bad, I suppose, because a lot of the, like the European yeah. and the British fighters, because they have to build up such a record, they're kind of ready to take big fights immediately in the in in the UFC. Whereas, like that, some of the guys who are signed at four and five and they can be up and down at the start to kind of find their feet because. They're just having that experience, yes. but the, the British fight, European fighters tend to hit the ground running when they get in. Yeah, and like I said, like it could be sh- they, they could even turn around and say, "Look, we need a short <laughs> notice." Like we contend, they're obviously you've been cutting for um, uh, September twenty fourth. Um, are you? I have. I will take this fight, and do you mean no one's really going to turn around and be like, "Oh no, I'm like I I want to make sure I have a proper camp." Yeah, I mean, you're just going to turn around and be like, "Yeah, I'm ready. Let's go." So, um, like. I'm getting ready for five rounds and I get ready for my UFC debut. Sorry. And that's the way it's got to be. Do you know I mean? It's like pushing hard and um, training's going well. Like I did um, a kicking session this morning, volume kicking session. Then I did a jiu-jitsu session I just come from. So it's like getting everything done and pushing hard. And um, obviously, you know, the volume sessions, <laughs> that go on to a never fun. Um, so I remember, I you know we popped out some like eight, 800 kicks this morning. So um, it, it, it's just getting back fit and, Obviously, I've been fit all, all the way through because I haven't really stopped and I'm running a lot, but um, it's getting back fight fit and getting your conditioning back and making sure everything's on peak, ready for that, ready for a five-round five war. Yeah. Who do you think Who do you think will, will be the fight? Will it be a kind of an up-and-coming kind of a contender that you'll end up having to fight for the, to defend the belt against, or will it be more, I suppose, a UFC kind of veteran-caliber opponent? Well, this is the question because there's not really any... Uh, contenders coming through Cage Warriors at the moment. Like when I was coming through, I fought De- Desme. Desme was the next big contender. I beat Desme. Um, then after De- after I beat Desme, he went and fought. Um, I can't remember the boys he fought, but he fought the uh, Jakobsen and he fought another guy, uh, Tim Barnett. I think it was. I may have that wrong, but um, he fought two boys who were pushing. Um, they were other big contenders for like for the lightweight title, um, and they both got. Desmond stopped both of them so um, it all depends like obviously Paddy's coming off of a, a two fight win streak now um, so they they could be that but I just don't think two fights is uh, 
is obviously an, enough. But if his name come up, I'd be signing it. Um, I just want a UFC veteran. Obviously, a UFC veteran um, would mean that I could show that I'm more than ready for a UFC fight. Um, you, you mean if if you, you smash someone who's already made the cut, then it's a sort of sure nod that you're more than ready for the level. And uh, so any UFC veteran would would do me to be honest. But I trust in the Cage Warriors matchmakers, and whoever they give me is someone I'm just going to go out there and do my best against. Yeah, and it's it is definitely full steam ahead to the UFC. It's not if if Bellator came yeah. and offered you a fight, would you would you look at taking it? I think I I I, I take a look. But um, UFC has always been sort of my goal. Um, I've got friends who fight in both, and I've been to both shows. I've been to UFC events, I've been to Bellator events, and the UFC events just seem to be a little bit more for me. Um, I just think publicity-wise as well, uh, especially in this part of the world, uh, UFC is so much bigger than Bellator. Um, so it, it, it all depends, but I, I'm happy just to go and do what I can, and whatever offers come up, we can sit down and talk about it. But um, yeah, I... I, th- I think it'll definitely be UFC. Yeah. I think it's great with though, like Cage Warriors kinda of really do work as well with the build guys to push them towards yeah, the UFC. Like I think that's I think that's good with Bellator or with Cage Warriors that they, they build the guys yeah. up to to push them to the UFC. Well I think there are more ninety four fighters in the UFC at the moment. Um ninety four, yeah. So uh, I mean they were the record for signing guys like uh, well uh, Joanne Jo Vijayevich, I can never say her name. Um, she signed to Cage Warriors. Obviously, McGregor signed to Cage Warriors. Um, Jack Marshman, Jack Shaw. Do you mean they all come through the ranks and they all signed? Uh, Brett Johns. Like it's proven. Um, obviously, Nad Naramani signed as well through Cage Warriors. So it's it's just sort of proven that you work with them. You do what you're told. You follow, and you you literally just fall in line and be whatever they give you. And you, it's, it's, it's a set record that you'll know that you're going to be there eventually. Yeah. Well, what's just actually what's what's your background in martial arts? Like, how did you how did you get started? Where did where did the journey begin? So, it's a bit of a weird one for me. So I started kickboxing when I was seven. Um, freestyle kickboxing was the only thing really in in my area. It was um, I started that um, with a kickboxing club that was local. Um, the kickboxing club literally uh, has well, had three fighters training at the time I was, who were now in UFC. So the gym at the time was sort of, they taught kickboxing, they taught, they, they taught, they taught um, kumide jiu-jitsu, like um, traditional jiu-jitsu. And um, they did like a self-defense um, sort of class, which was early on set at MMA. And like, um, so Richard Shaw used to train there. That's Jack Shaw's dad. Jack Shaw used to train. Marchman used to train there. Um, Joe Duffy, who was also signed UST, used to train there. So um, like, it, it, it was at at the time it was a gym that was really pushing um, for like Welsh MMA they did strike and grapple shows um, and they used to be sort of the legit shows so I started there I did the sort of the early versions of, of MMA um, before BJJ it was just sort of the early jiu-jitsu um, and then um, uh, I did um, judo um, judo, I just found a high-level competition in the kickboxing tournaments around like um, the circuits I was hitting with um, the GMI's wave just weren't really making a cut. So um, I found judo, found out how much harder the competitions were and really started pushing that. I made the Welsh team by the time I was 14 and sort of went from there. I just went from strength to strength. Uh, I ended up being like Welsh number one for multiple years. Um, I won the national championships as a, as a cadet. 
went on the juniors and won high level junior comps, um, British, and then um, I, I was number two seed. Um, I was the number one seed, so the two of us used to compete really heavily all the time. And then um, Commonwealth, I qualified for Commonwealth Games, didn't quite make it. I took an injury before, um, didn't quite make the final cut of qualifications with different things and injuries. And then um, I, when I was, so that was all the way up to I was 17. When I was 15, I started BJJ, so I, was, uh, I got a good base in that. Um, when I was 17, then I started Muay Thai and boxing. Um, and then with my shoulder in, injured and sort of having a bit of time off, I focused on boxing a lot more after the op and stuff and really building up my SMC and my boxing. And um, uh, I ended up pro boxing for a few years, um, two years, mainly due to being refused an amateur license. So I just went straight pro. I only ended up having three bouts and then went from there back into MMA and got straight into a cage ride show. So it's, it's a wild ride. But um, like I got a black belt in, in uh, freestyle kickboxing. I got a black belt in judo. Um, I got black belt in BGJ. I uh, got a decent um, Thai background. Um, well, as a show, like I, I knocked a few boys out. I was some, some nasty elbows in. Um, and my, my freestyle wrestling is is legit. Like I keep up with a lot. Of, well, keep up and I would level a lot of guys who train out in Team Alpha Male. Um, obviously, a lot of the regular guys like um, the UFC levels are all crazy high levels, so it's brilliant training. But um, like I'm, I'm, I'm there. Do you know what I mean I'm at the level for UFC? I just want to show that I'm better than. Uh, the majority of guys who are in UFC so it's just perfecting and like um, since I was god what was it 20 um, I've been working with a taekwondo coach um, working on my kicking it's no earlier than that I think it's been it's like seven years I guess maybe 18 when I started so um, I've really been trying to work on, on my kicking just sort of um, every, everything I learned sort of the kickboxing gym and the Thai gym I was training at everything was really wide and really big so it's just working that um, making sure my chambers are clean, um, checking well, and just making sure ev- ev- everything is fast and, and lethal. So um, I've really been working hard, and um, it's my kicking is probably the thing that's behind everything else the most. So um, I've really been working on it, and eventually when that I, when that clicks and I start relaxing a bit more, I, I'm gonna start knocking people out with my feet, and then I'll be doing the full legit package. Yeah, that that so that so mix of, of martial arts like was. <laughs> was it was the plan I covered my base as well yeah was the plan always like to come back to MMA like or were you just looking to just jump into anything like just different just different forms of combat no the, the plan was always to go into MMA um, the reason I sort of focused so heavily on judo at the time was because one uh, sort of UK wrestling at, at the time wasn't very strong um, and two like if I could get like a European medal or world medal or a Commonwealth Games medal in judo then I knew that sort of you've got something to carry over so it's easy to get signed you know I mean like um who was the it was a gold medals wrestler who transitioned pretty much straight in the ufc um did a couple of fights in keyboard i think um mark madsen margo madsen um he was olympic gold medals in wrestling um so he, he basically transferred straight across and um like that was sort of why I wanted to have to have even though i didn't mind doing the work i have like it, it would be nice to have something else behind you but it just didn't work out that way, but I had a, I have crazy good competition experience to the judo when I like the amount of matches we do. Like sometimes we go away and um, I compete on a Friday in the juniors and then a Saturday in the seniors, and you'd ha- end up having like um, over the weekend probably about twenty matches doing. So it was just one of them things where I got a decent fight experience. Um, I filled my bases there anyway, so I'm experienced there everywhere. I'm skilled everywhere, and there's, there's no area of the game where I haven't got something. So. Um, 
like you clinch up me, I got a dangerous clinch game. Um, you want to stay against a cage, I got a, I got a dangerous cage game. You want to box, I got a dangerous boxing game. You want a dirty box, I got a dangerous dirty boxing game. You want to kick, I kick better. You want to wrestle, I wrestle better. You want to do jiu-jitsu, do you mean like I, I'm a black belt, I'm a credible black belt, I'll sub you. So it's sort of making sure I've covered every area and it doesn't really matter where the fight goes, I'll finish. Yeah. I like you picked a good time. Well, I think you picked a good time as well to to kind of perfect time. To, <laughs> but even like that to swap between the martial arts, like like in your teenage years, where like it's the best time to be able to jump in, jump in and out, and, yeah. and pick things up and, and develop at different areas. Like it can be, you know, you've seen a lot of guys maybe like like you say you might specialize in one area, but then you have to go back and fill in the gaps, and that can be much harder than as you're kind of in your career and you're older. Whereas like you're at the perfect time to jump around and try everything. And it was just sort of like the way it worked out. So I was pro boxing. I'd had, um, I had three pro boxing fights and I had six bouts canceled, um, different regions. So injuries, um, fighters booking other cards, um, obviously where they get paid more, um, shows canceling, like whole shows being cut. Um, so it was, it was a nightmare run where I, I cut weight. Um, I'd be ready to fight and literally week of the fight and um, I'm almost ready to make weight. And then they'd literally call and be like, look, cards off. Or it'd be two weeks out when my opponent's polled, or um, the opponent was taking a different fight, and it was just constantly setbacks, setbacks all the way through. So I remember I went to see uh, Richard Shaw. Um, obviously, he's coach of Combat, who was running the Cage Warriors Wales new box shows, um, Cage Warriors Wales. So I went to see him and said, "Look, I'm ready to go back into MMA now." And he said, "Yeah, no problem. Um, we'll send you a contract." And it was easy as that. Like I know some people sort of had to. They may make him make take earlier fights, but I trained with with Shady before. He knew the level I was at. Like he knew um, I was boxing just to get experience to go back into MMA, and he knew I was how credible I was. So it was just sort of this. Um, I went and seen him. He said, "Yeah, no problem." He said, "I'll make sure no one falls out. I'll make sure you you get a fight." And um, <laughs> the Safe MMA sanctions had just gone in. It was the first card that was sanctioned by Safe MMA, so we had all the medal checks. Um, so I got all them done. My first opponent failed his brain scan. And then my second opponent failed his eye test. So um, I ended up having to take a unified amateur bout. And then um, I fought David Donis in Newport. Uh, and I subbed him in, I believe, first round in four minutes with a command. So just um, I had a bit of experience. Um, chased around the cage a little bit. He ran. I took him down and subbed him. And that was the end of that. Yeah. But they, why? What was the kind of problem with the not being able to get an amateur boxing license? Well, why was there? Well, this this was the thing. So there was there'd been a bit of problem with um, Wales with the amateurs uh, boxing. Sort of, they had they had allowed some boys to fight who had had MMA records, and they they amateur box and fought in the Welsh novices and cleaned up. So rather than sort of make just obviously improve a simple stipulation. They literally turned around and said, anyone who wants to amateur box, who's got a rec, who's got a, uh, a sort of different background has to um, take a ban. So um, I sort of tried, went through the phase trying to get an amateur thing and they're like, look, if you try to apply, they're going to give you a two-year ban before you can box. So I was like, well, like, why? Like, what's the point in that? So we just went straight pro. Um, I went up, um, my boxing coach said, look, just go straight pro, we'll work it out. So, because um, I had decent striking anyway, I'd been boxing for a few years, and I mean, they get in like four years boxing. Um, I was happy to put time in. So in the end, I was training five days a week boxing, um, twice a day, and then I was working my SNC sessions, everything else, and training. And then um, 
uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday over the weekends, I was training my jiu-jitsu, my wrestling, and sort of, and that took a bit of a, uh, a backseat while I focused on my boxing. Um, and I remember um, just after, just as I was waiting for my application to go through, it was a bit of a delay on waiting through and then go back and forth. So I ended up waiting three um, like four months for my application to go through. So while I was waiting, I went to Brazil and did a BJJ training camp out there with some Thai boxing out there just while I was waiting and worked my box out there. And then I come back, um, we had my boxing license come through um, and then I went back to five days a week boxing uh, and really just hammered out the last bits of it. And I was more than ready to fight then. So I showed, do you mean? I, I didn't stop any of the boys I boxed, but um, like they, they were close. Like if I had the experience I had now, I definitely would have stopped them. So it was brilliant learning experience all around. And like, I fought some incredible guys. Um, so yeah, my boxing career was definitely worth it. And um, even sparring now. So like um, my last fight leading up to it, I was sparring Jamie Cox, who um, I can't remember the guy's record, but he was like, oh, he was on an undefeated streak and he fought George Groves for the world title. Um, George Groves beat him uh, and then he lost another fight. And then he's coming back off. He had a win and then he had a bit of time out. So like, he's a dangerous guy he's a world championship contender and um, me and him had some dangerous spars and it's definitely like as soon as this or as soon as the boxing is all back open they're back to normal I'll be back to this bar them. so it just came back to it and getting fit and taking off my tick sheet and knocking out uh, what was it crossing the T's and dotting the I's and getting back ready to fight that's it's just that like I, I, I don't ever stop I don't like to take time out I remember after the Corona stuff, I had two weeks off and then nearly tore, nearly tore my hair out. I got that board. So um, it was just get back to it, get back fit. I didn't have any injuries. So push and um, get ready for another fight. Yeah. And then like, was the fact that you didn't have much of an amateur MMA career, was that down to the fact you had pro boxing fights or was it just the opportunity presented itself to go straight to pro in MMA? Um. So... <laughs> It didn't actually say on my record, but I had three amateur fights when I was oh, okay. 14. Um, I fought uh, on the early strike and gravel cards they were. Um, I fought, I don't even know who they were. Like I was only a kid back then. I was 14. I fought some guy who was like 26. I submitted him in, in a minute. And then um, the next day, I remember I had two more. Um, and like they were, like it was strike and gravel. So it they were proper amateur rules back then. Like it wasn't unified. It was body shots, um, body shots. Like I wasn't even allowed to do headshots standing up. Oh no, the one I was, I allowed headshots standing up and then um, it was just body shots on the ground, no knees, no elbows. So um, I did those in three of those and like the level was nowhere near the level that um, sort of judo was. So I went back into that and then um, obviously I had the one unified amateur bout against David Adonis and that was basically pro rules, just no knees and elbows. And then obviously I moved across, but I'd been, I'd been training for years. I started training seven. So I, like I was more than ready. Like I, 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 I could sort of stand the level of guys who were literally tearing through the cage warriors ranks. And I knew I was good enough to be beating legit contenders at the time. So it was just more a thing of working my way through cage warriors and enjoying myself, um, getting some experience and then going in, in there and really earning my, earning my, well, my belt. Do you know what I mean? So I got three knockouts, three submissions, and three decisions. So one of those decisions, I had a broken hand. So it, <laughs> they're not the worst things in the world, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And do you think, like, because you had, is it five fights in 2018? Like, that's fairly, it's very active. So, so like, do you think, yeah, that, um, do you think that kind of came from your background? six fights in 12 months. 
Yeah. So do you think that came from your background, like in June, like you said, in June or that, like you were competing all the time? Do you think that kind of maybe carried over, just used to regular competition? It was with that and with the boxing being cancelled so much and in so many training camps, we just literally said, look, we're just going to go for it. So um, I remember I, I had my, my debut against Sean Luther, uh, won that, then um, I signed a five-fight contract with Cage Warriors and then um, there was one card coming up before the end of the year and that was in Denmark. So I asked if I could fight on that and they said, look, there's, there's no one there for you. Um, you're not really worth us sort of paying for hotel rooms and stuff out there You wouldn't, where we don't even know if you'll sell enough tickets. So I said, right, no problem. I want to fight for the end of the year, though. And they said, look, because you haven't fought your first fight in your contract, we'll let you fight off card. So I fought on Drennan against Brett Hasslett, um, beat him in like a minute. And then um, uh, I ended up fighting then in January. And that was the sort of the start of the tear through. Um, I ended up doing literally I do a fight and then go straight back to camp and I fight again eight weeks after and I just made sure that I kept taking across and taking fight after fight after fight and my plan was to do um, so I did six fights in in just over 12 months I think it was something like 12 and a half 30 months so my plan was to do all the way up um, I do a full year I'd get five fights in that one year and I did two at the end of the other one so it ended up with five, um, seven fights in 13 14 months but um and that would have ended up with Cage Warriors 100. Um, the Cage Warriors 100 card uh, coming into my hand had been playing up. I had Lil Niggles. Like, I pushed hard. I had t- five tough fights. They'd all really, like, do you know what I mean? I, I prepared for all of them. I'd been literally nonstop training camp for a year, dieting. So it was just get all getting to the point. And literally, it wasn't actually me. <laughs> my coaches came around and was like, look, we, we don't want you to do another one. It was like, you need to slow down. It's like you're gonna go in there with an injury, and it's just not gonna be the best version of you. So um, we had a chat about it, and um, I said, "Yeah, it's no problem." So I turned on the hundred, and I remember some people outside the camera was like, "Oh no, it's a really big card. You should take it and make a mistake." And I'm quite happy. I mean, I didn't like. I, I ended up going to watch the Cage Warriors hundred, and like it would have been a good fight, but I know it wouldn't have been the best version of me. It could have been. And then obviously, I come back after that. I think after that fight, I fought Desme, uh, and obviously that was the best fight in my career. Um, so far, um, like the cleanest fight, because even though I didn't stop him, um, I think looking back, I could have. And then I went the Alexi fight after my corner, sort of pushing for a stop and um, got a bit carried away. I balanced that out and then for the Joe fight, then I come in there, I was clinical and um, do you know I, mean? I knocked him out in the first round. So it's just all about, like I said, tightening everything up, making sure everything's perfect and going in there with the right game plan and just literally sticking to it. Um, not so much going for the knockout like I did in the Alexi fight because I got a bit carried away. But the Joe fight, I just sort of did what I had to do, damaged him, took my time, and then I stopped him. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, taking the taking the short notice fights, it's great when it works out. Like you know, when you're when you're in, if you have an injury, it's great if you go in there and you get the job done. But if it goes the other way and it doesn't work out, you kind of can look back and regret it. But so it was probably the smart decision at the time and like um, I was having a really big problem with my hand and my corner was all like look are you sure your hand's okay and I was like yeah it's fine and I couldn't I couldn't throw shots at it very well at all so um, I remember we went in the fight and um, I was like look I'm just going to take him down and sub him and um, every time he was in strength exchanges I was just flinching with my hand all the time and, and um, like I, I got out I, I was striked in, in, in that fight mainly because like early on set I bust my foot um, I just kicked pathetically like um, um i threw a cut kick um at, at his kneecap basically um he didn't even check i just booted him flat out in the knee um it was like a so we was opposite so he was um he was ortho he was ortho i was ortho 
So, and I literally just threw a cut kick at his front leg and just smashed the knee. And I remember I just bust my foot. So I had one dead foot. Um, I had a busted up man. So I was issues wrestling. And it was the best thing career-wise I could have done because um, the first round, I remember, I picked him up like four times and slammed him. And then I come back to the corner after the first round and I was literally blowing. And like, I've got a really good gas tank. So um, I finished, won the, won the fight. Like um, when I watched back, my striking was too bad. Like um, it was quite 50-50, but um, I, I knew I was way better than him. So... We went back and did a lot of work up Team Alpha Male and really worked to change my sort of mindset of wrestling. So rather than picking people up and slamming people, it's more about just dragging people down, making it heavy and just burning people out. And um, like I, I watched the way that sort of um, uh, Kobe Covington wrestles and I've imitated a lot of his style. And I've seen the way Habib wrestles and sort of got the same sort of mindset, which is constantly like when you shoot, you finish um, and you just keep driving to get that finish. And then it's all about sort of positional sparring making sure you're landing in good positions and just literally just draining people so every every fight i've improved and every fight's been a learning experience for me and i think like moving forwards to ufc it's it's been the perfect background that i can go co in and literally it doesn't matter where the fight ends up i'll, I'll win would you would you consider doing a, a full camp with team alpha male or is that kind of just you get over there now and again when you can to kind of up there, just update a kind of software kind of a job I've done a few full camps there, actually. Like, I've done some um, eight-week camps. I've done some um, five-week camps and stuff like that out, out, out there. It's just sort of getting back in time so that I usually try to come back when I'm about two or three weeks out from a fight so I have time to readjust the time zones. You're not really jet-lagged and stuff like that, especially you, you don't want to be cutting weight if you feel... It's just making sure that, um, like I said, everything's perfect. So, yeah, I've done some full camps out there and like I was meant to be out there now and so after the fight I was going to go back out but obviously with all the corona stuff all the boards were closed so my plan was to win the Joe fight um, I would add some money coming in I was going to use that money then to pay for a training camp and in, in the end I used the money I just put it all towards a house and I, I said um, so my girlfriend was happy but me less so <laughs> yeah so happy wife happy life though you know that kind of I suppose <laughs> yeah well that's that's the way, and I know what you mean. And then, like, she's one of my harshest critics when it comes to my kicking as well. Because, like, my last fight, my kicking wasn't the best. It was just sort of, I didn't really find my range. Like, I found my range on the leg kick, but I can find my my range on the leg kick with my eyes closed. Just sort of more my side kicks and my, my back kicks and stuff. But, like, my range was out. Um, sorry, my back kick, my reverse sides. But um, I come back after, after the fight, and she was like, the spin hook kick you do was terrible. I was like, I was meant to be a reverse side kick. And she was like, you ever throw anything as embarrassing as I can? She was like, and I'm not coming to watch you fight. I was like, all right, yeah, no worries. <laughs> I go back and work on it. <laughs> but, uh, like, I, I like being critiqued. Like, this is the thing. Like, my coaches all, as soon as the fight's done, they, um, we all watch a fight back individually and we all write notes out. And then we have a meeting, we sit down, we go through everyone's notes and um, we're like, look, well, we need to improve this position. We need to improve this year. Like, Carl, you need to do this. Um, Gift was like, oh, I'll work on this. And they all know what we need to target in our next training camp. So, Say I get off-season, off-peaking um, training, so I get to train without training for a fight. I get to work on things, get to work on some techniques and really nail them all, what we're doing, and then we know that they need to keep an eye out. So like one of my fights, I realized that I was squaring a little bit too much, so we really worked on my footwork and making sure my balance was right and really worked on resetting a lot more. Um, Carl noticed that when I was kicking a lot, um, I was kicking um, and after I was sort of aiming to connect I was really keeping my leg locked out though and retracting my leg so it was like a lot longer and it was quite slow to, so to bring things back so I've really been working on um, sort of coiling my leg back in and making sure my chambers are tight and it's just sort of 
it's always been a process of improvement every single time. And when you sit down and make those notes, do you find that you often come back with the same kind of the same things written down? No, not so much. So um, there's usually something new. Um, like sometimes there's sort of like, I remember for a few fights, it was like, look, you need to keep your hands a little bit higher. And then um, we were like drilling it, drilling it. As soon as I get in the fight, I sort of bring my hands a bit lower and get a bit cool, but I uh, get a bit sort of carried away. And then um, after one of the fights, I remember they adjusted my balance and they wanted me to work on more of my balance. So bringing my weight over my back leg more. And as soon as they did, my hands stayed up. It was just more so because I was pushing my weight on my front leg all the time. It was low my front leg. My hands were going low. Whereas my weight's on my back leg, I'm, my balance is a little bit tipped, my hands are higher, and everything's cleaner. And then um, it's just something is always new. Like I remember the one fight, um, I threw a couple of front kicks, um, and it just it was just the wrong range, and I got counted a few times. So it was like, look, why don't we try adjusting it a little bit, turn the foot. So not, it's not quite a side kick, but it's sort of mixed between a front kick and a side kick. And I was really using that chain leg a lot more. And then like I can adjust it, so I'm either going to kick a front, I'm going to change a snap, or I'm going to change it to a side. And it just gives me a bit more variety, especially when I start mixing in my oblique kicks, like the side kicks and the kneecaps, um, and then my right turn to the, to the angle or the turn to the top of the leg. And then it's just sort of you're building your game every single time. It's like, well, why don't we try doing this? And then I'll try it. And it's like, oh, that's not for me. And we're like, look, we got a problem there, so we need to fill it. So there's always something. Like the Alexi fight, I spent two rounds on Alexi's back, and I didn't sub him. Um, and it's more so I just literally, one, I wasn't thinking, and two, like I just didn't have a sort of A to B plan. So we went back and we, we, we just drilled over and over and over again, like a plan or a route that when you get on someone's back, you do this, this, and this, and you better finish like this. And it's something I got good at. And um, we made some, obviously, if someone tries to go this way, you go that way. If someone tries to roll, you flatten them. And it's just, you just always building a sort of a, sort of a program up. So like if anything goes wrong in the fight, you've always got something to fall back to. Or um, if you go, go in and nothing going right for you, if like, my range just isn't right or I just can't get my flow, then we'll just literally stick my A, a B and C's and go from there. And um, it's something my judo coach is always big at where like we compete professionally. Like you always had your plans so that if anything goes wrong, you always got your core style to go back to. So like me and my girlfriend talk about this a lot because she was always a good, um, she used to stab with her side a lot. So like no matter what happened, whether she was getting cut kicked or counted, like she'd know that, your coach would always be like, get on your balls, your feet, and just stab. Just stab, 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 stab. And then if you can, you've got the reverse, or you've got literally, you can cut kick un- un- underneath, and you go from there, do you know what I mean? But as long as, like, no matter what happens, whether you're getting out-styled or not, if you just stick to your basics and you keep chipping away, eventually you'll, you'll find a chink and you'll go from there. And it's something, like, we've always lived by. So even if, obviously, with the Desme fight, I stuck, to, because I knew how dangerous he was, I knew he was strong everywhere, um, I literally just stuck to my program perfectly, uh, my game plan. And I literally implicated the plan to the core. So I remember I dropped him a couple of times. Rather than follow up or rush in, I stayed back, kept distance, and just sort of called him back to his feet and went back to him. Like I dropped him with two side kicks. Um, I hit him with a reverse side kick more. I throw like a reverse side kick, like, like a back kick. So I don't quite turn my foot like a donkey kick. I throw it like a reverse side. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I threw like a couple of jump spins like that. I caught him with a couple of those. And um, I remember I dropped him with a right hand once. And it was just literally just adding up on points. And I thought, if I can finish him, I will, but I'm, I'm not going to go r- r- rushing in. And um, we had a meeting afterwards. And I remember my dad, uh, when my coaches brought up, he was like, look, you dropped him a few times. You should have really followed up and really put the pressure on him. So I was like, yeah, yeah. And then um, he fought against Jakobsen, Jay Jakobsen. And Jakobsen caught him with a big shot. And um, he went running in and Desmond put his back into the cage to a big old round right and knocked him out cold. And like, like I'm not saying he would have knocked me out, but you just it's not worth taking these risks.
come with a clean slate and just outschool someone than it is to go in there a bit all gun show and you you just get stopped. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you how, how what do you think of people's other people like even your opponents level of kicking in, in MMA? I often find watching because coming from the background oh. that, that I do. <laughs> yeah, I think to say I'd say your girlfriend probably even what is there watching other people kicking and thinking like what was that? Because I find. Like the the kicking it, it it's a lot of MMA fighters is, is is poor considering just what I'm used to seeing given my own background and, and that you know it's a so something embarrassing I used to think my kicking was good like um I used to have a decent um what I thought was a back kick to another or her side kick um I had a decent turn but it was just really tight styley so it was really big it was really wide and it was just sort of like chop the legs chop the legs and um. I had my side work, my car, and he had me kicking stuff. And every time he was kicking, he said, no, you need to do it like this. And I was like, but I'm doing that. And he's like, no, you're really not. <laughs> <laughs> and like, um, it was just sort of, it's just a working process and that progress. And then like, you look back and you're like, shit, look how wide my legs were, look how wide my knees were. Like, you literally could have, uh, like sometimes I remember I was going forwards, my elbows are wide in my old fights and throwing kicks really wide. I'm just thinking against any, anyone legit, they're either just going to stab me in half or they're just going to literally just cut right underneath and, do you know what I mean, cut right under the ribs. So um, it's like body positioning is massive, kicking is massive, and like just being, like using the right kicks at the right times and like how quick they kick is just something different. So Taekwondo, I think, is the most underrated style for an MMA. Um, like it's not a core style. Like it's not something I think you can go in, like if you have a good, good like, Taekwondo background, I don't think it's something you can just go in there with. Like sometimes if you've got a really good wrestling background, you go in there and win fights with nothing but wrestling. Like I don't really believe that. I think like, but as a supplementary art, I think it is one of the best. Like it's so underrated, but like the Desme fight I won by, by outkicking the guy. Um, the Joe fight I won by outkicking the guy. Um, just because I literally smashed his front leg before I caught him anything else. And I stopped him moving and then I smashed him. And like a lot of people think that's my tie background, but um like the low angle kicks was one of the first things he picked up by my Taekwondo coach. He was like, look, we're going to start. Throwing it and we worked on it. And then we started throwing them Achilles kicks and really cement them out. And then like keel kicks, they don't throw enough, but it's one of one of my best kicks. Do you know what I mean? Like my timing on keel is, is legit. So Eventually, I'm going to click. And um, like I said, all I want to do is I want to be one of those guys that, um, like like Barbosa. Um, have you seen Barbosa fight? Yeah, yeah, of course. Lightweight Barbosa. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The spin hot kick, do you know what I mean? Like, his spin hot kick is literally legit. Like, as I, I want to be one of those guys where even a Taekwondo fighter can look at my kicking and think, shit, that guy's a good kick. And like, that is what I, that is my goal. Um, I want to be, a, I want to, like, I want to be able to box with world champions um, and, come off better than him. I, I want to be able to kick with Taekwondo world champions, be able to work, like, not so much outkick him, but he but able to, to hold or even outscore him. I, I, I want to be able to train with, like, BJJ world champions and be able to give him a decent match and maybe sub him. Like, that is, that's my goal. I, you've got to be perfect in everything. That's why MMA is such a dangerous sport because top level, like, you can't just be good at one thing. Like, even Habib, like, Habib's an awesome wrestler, but he's got a dangerous ground game and, like, his striking is so underrated. Um, just because he's good at the way he strikes, so he, like he's not a good open open striker. But because everyone's so worried about his takedowns, they're like they're worried about his takedowns. And he's throwing big overhand power shots, and then he's shooting in on you. And you just don't know which is coming, whether he's going to knock you out or whether he's going to take you down. And like that is the way you've got to blend everything together in your style, and that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, we showed that even in the in the McGregor fight, like obviously the where he 
faked the right hand and or faked the takedown and came over with the right, a big right hand and dropped him like like that. You can even see it with the footwork. McGregor was getting ready to kind of sprawl for the takedown, but was put on yeah. his arse. Well, it's like um, like McGregor's another one. So like he's got a take on the background. Um, like if you, if you look at his fight against Cowboy, like Cowboy hit him with a head kick which he blocked clean, and then he come back with his own kick, and it's just so much cleaner, and so much quicker, and literally just flicked him straight in the neck. And um, it's just that it's just like the, the the clean chambers. You sort of rather than these wide sweeping power kicks, you just it's like a rapier doing it. It's really it's to the point. It's swift, and it's just you just tap people and they go to sleep and that's what you want to do Jimmy. you don't want something slow and swinging like a bat you want to literally just be clean and quick yeah more so that kind of yeah that kind of whip up boom and pull it back kind of a job and, and then snap, it, yeah. yeah and so obviously it's much harder than to catch that and get taken down as well if you're whipping it back as well well that was another problem i had so in sort of it wasn't so much my fights i didn't get too much <coughs> in um i fought a karate guy uh in Casper Formella and um, he caught one of my kicks but <laughs> I'm quite glad my kicking was um, a bit slow to be honest because like he caught me with a body shot and I remember I was just literally I just my lungs locked up and I was like look I'm struggling here so um, I shot in out of an exchange and um, I spun around his back and he turned around and he, was, he was really putting the pressure on I remember I threw like a like a two punch with a head kick follow and then um, the head kick he caught and um, that is the reason I didn't get stopped in that fight because I remember my, my lungs are closing up and I was thinking, look, I'm struggling here. If he starts putting the pressure on and really starts waking my body, like, yeah. like there's only so much you would do when you're holding your breath. And I remember I, had, like, I held my breath for about 40 seconds. We literally just, my lungs froze. And um, he, like, I threw a head kick. He caught it. And as he stepped in, he sort of threw a big right hand and he followed me down to the ground. And as soon as he followed me down, I literally just reset, took my time. Like a good jujitsu, and like I didn't even need to breathe. I was just sort of trying to regain my breath. I hit side to side, threw some downward elbows. As soon as I was ready, I worked my way back to my feet, and then I put the pressure on him. And um, I remember side off switch knee and switch knee to the ribs, and I had him back. And then I didn't give him the opportunity. Do you know what I mean? So as soon as I had him winning on the cage, I put him away. And like um, some people call that a comeback fight, but to me it was just sort of um, like he caught me with a big kick, but he sort of he didn't follow up on it. So obviously he could have, but he he didn't. So it's just the way things go from sometimes and it, it was again another massive learning experience for me yeah so you eventually got already about the weight cuts and so would you be somebody who cuts cuts a lot of weight uh i cut a lot of weight yeah so um doing isolation i went to 83 and a half kilos um i normally sit very 81 and back down to 81 now um so i cut about 11 kilos to make weight um so nothing massive but more than enough do you know what I mean like um i remember the joe fight i made 155 on the dot on the test scales before and then um, after I weighed in, I fought at 80 kilos dead. So I put 10 kilos on back over in 36 hours before I fought. Yeah, so <laughs> rough going. Would you, is it all kind of, uh, are you taking off all water or are you dieting down a bit beforehand? Or I dieted down to over 79 and then um, I ended up doing, by the time you empty your stomach, um, do you mean like, obviously by the time you do the water load, you haven't eaten any solids and they've, they've all been cleaned out. I normally come down when I start my water cut and normally about 70, oh my, 76 and a bit. So I cut about six and a half keys in water, which is perfect. Do you know I mean like I don't want to be doing more than 10%. So six kilo is, is, is a lot. And do you, do you tend to use, especially when you hit, hit in championship weight. Yeah. So would you tend to use the sauna or, or the sauna or a hot bath? Which one would Those, you kind of, um, so 
it's I don't cut ten kilos water. I do six. So by the time I empty out and stuff, like I I I come into what loading week at seventy nine. By the time I empty out and stuff like that, so I stop my my solids and stuff. And then I water load, and by the time I start dehydrating, I end up coming down to about 76 before I start um, dehydrating. And then I do six and a half kilos in the bath to get down to 70.5, 70. 70.4, um, or 70.2 of the championship. So um, I do about six and a half kilos, yeah, in, in baths. I, I don't touch saunas. Um, I just find sort of um, saunas take from the skin level and they work in, whereas uh, sorry, baths work from the sort of the skin skin level and they work in. So like your organs are the last thing to go out, whereas I find saunas I end up dehydrating from my organs first. So I cramp a lot more off saunas. I find it's real harder to hydrate and it's just sort of one of those things you want to maximize. So for me, baths, um I sort of recover better. Yeah. I've I've I tend to I nearly tend to prefer the sauna, I think. I've only done the bath once. Um it was alright. I, I suppose that the the struggle, I suppose, with the bath is making sure it keeps the temperature, um, which you kind of, I suppose, nearly don't have so much of a problem with the sauna. But, uh, which yeah, I suppose is kind of whichever each person to what they prefer, I suppose, really, isn't it? To what gets yeah. it gets it off. Yeah, and it's like, um, like there's a lot more science to it now as well. So, like, um, like obviously the before um, I in the water cuts, it's like um, making sure that like my salt load is perfect so like you load up before and then you start cutting down like two weeks before so you you you're ready to move you're producing enough hormone to get rid of the water um like how many carbs i'm eating is all measured to make sure that i don't hold water and then um like um i think there's two routes we take like root in tablet form i think it's um they just to make you piss more anything um i think maybe dandelion and something else um yeah. Just make sure that you're pissing a lot more. Um, and kind of a, it's a natural, water and then, um, natural like, diuretic, I think, isn't it? When we, on, sorry. Yeah, natural diuretics. I remember yeah. when we started, it was just sort of like um, you'd fill the bath up as hot as, it, as you could stand it and get in. And then um, like now, like it's, it's only got to be, I think it's got to be 40 degrees in the bath up so, or something like that. So it's, it's not too hot at all. It's just nice you sitting there and the weight comes off. But um, we do a month. So I start. Thursday night, I'll start water swift. Sarah weighing on Friday, I'll start Thursday night, and then I'll do the rest on Friday morning before one o'clock weighing. And then, um, obviously, with USC, they weigh in 9 a.m., so that just means you get up at 5 a.m. and start cutting weight. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's tough, like, isn't it? Going to bed with that kind of you're starting to get into that dry mouth, and it, it, it's tough, like, to try and get, <sighs> get sleep or anything like that. You nearly find you nearly don't sleep. Yeah, and like another thing we do, like a lot of people sleep with a, their bedroom warm. Like they'll cut water in a sauna, in a sauna or a bath, and then they'll sleep in the heat then, and then try and lose water the next day. So I don't do it that way. I, I'm be able to do the baths on the Thursday night, and then um, after we go hot, have cold shower to seal yourself in to stop you sweating, and then we literally ice the room. Like the room has a freezing cold then. So normally I cut, uh, do the water baths in my coach's room, and we'll heat it right up. And then as soon as that's done, as soon as it's time for me to go to bed, I'll go back into my room and um, we'll cool it right down and then go from there then. So um, just sleep in a, in a cold environment sort of confuses your body more so you still produce chemicals to sort of release water. Your body's not thinking that you're sort of overheat eating and tries to trap water. It's just sort of trying to make sure everything's maximized. And, but yeah, it's, um, it is weird. Like I remember the first time I did a water cut um, for my pro fight, um, I ended up like messing up severely and I remember I was um, not dehydrated like I just come off too fast I was just hallucinating 
I remember I was laid in bed. I slept like three hours. It was loosening. And I felt terrible. I remember um, we made weight and we come back and I, I slept for ages before the night. <laughs> I was so tired. And then um, obviously we fought the next day and um, it's just things like that. Like I've had some horrific weight cut experiences. So um, like we changed the formula on my recovery shakes for one of my fights. Um, I can't remember which fight it was. Um, it was when I fought in Birmingham, I think it was. Is it Birmingham? Uh, I can't remember. But um, or Cardiff. Would I fight in Cardiff in the snow? Um, I, again, but I fought, um, I fought and I remember uh, we was coming back from Wayans and I was literally, um, I had my first recovery shake and I remember I just projectile vomited all in the car everywhere, like spilled everywhere. And um, <laughs> all of my dad's new Ranger was sport, I spilled everywhere. And then um, we got out, cleaned up, and um, he's like, what was that about? I said, like, I don't know, I ain't must be driving. So um, he's like, oh, are you sure it's not your shakes? I said, like, no, no, no. So he picked my girlfriend up, went back to the house, and um, my girlfriend was like, look, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just staring ahead, like, didn't feel good at all. Go in the house. I said, look, I'll try one more. If it's not, I'm not going to have a ring. He said, you'll come and make a different one. So I drank this other shake, and I felt okay. And then all of a sudden, I started walking to the toilet. And I, remember I couldn't run because I was still so dehydrated because I hadn't recovered at all. I started walking to the toilet. I was thinking, I'm going to be sick. I'm going to be sick. I'm going to be sick. And I remember um, I, I couldn't make it in time. So I put my hands on my mouth and spirit and just projectile vomit again. It was just literally spraying out the sides. I was horrendous. And that was literally used to do with, um, it was too much salt. There was too much salt in my shake. So because it wasn't balanced with the sugar, it was in, um, like, it was just too much salt. It was just literally just making, because my stomach was so dehydrated, it was just making me spill straight away. So, um, my coach had to come, go back to my um, the old way and making them, and you literally we hydrate for there. Out and um, now I use a lot of um, uh, precision hydration in my recovery shapes. Like they're a company um, I really really like. Um, I went up um, and went to me um, got salt tested. They had a little machine they put on your arm, and um, one of the reasons I struggle with dehydration so much is because. Um, and my salt concentration is very, very high. So, um, like people will either be low, which means they sweat a lot of water. They'll be medium, where they set like a good mix of salt and water, or they'll be high, which is they got high salt content in in their sweat. And I remember, like, I was very, very high. They said, like, I sweat like double the normal amount of salt in in, in my sweat. So, even though I don't sweat a lot, it's very rich in salt. So that was why, like, I used to have um, with the judo, I had like um, I used to have like. If I trained a lot, I used to have like really bad head headaches all the time, like migraines. And I remember I went and had a brain scan and stuff done. They was like, look, there's nothing wrong with your brain. It's just like cut out e colors. Um, but it wasn't, it was just severe dehydration and like deorolites and stuff didn't seem to touch me enough. But um, like lucky enough, precision hydration stuff I use, um, they, they literally, um, I found it perfect. It works so well for me. And then um, like because they give you the, they have different strength um, solutions. They can give me like the strong one if I need really dehydrated or the other ones just like make through the day. Um, so I, I really like their stuff and like they don't even sponsor me at the moment. So um, I'm hoping they will mind because I do really <laughs> like their products. So fingers crossed I can get that sorted. But um, yeah, it's one of the things like um, I found something else that works well for me. So it's just finding the right things. Like I said, improving 1% every time. So you, you don't work with it. You don't have anybody who kind of looks after your nutrition or your weight cuts or anything like that. It's all based on yourself and your own research and your team. So nutritionist, I, I use a guy called Paul Aaron. Um, he's someone who's worked combat athletes before. So he gives me a program um, that I stick to with diet program. So um, like he's long-term class hires. And then um, 
my SEC coach helps me with my weight cuts and stuff, and he's really switched on it and stuff. And um, like me and him have been working together on recovery stuff since sort of the first session. Like we had um, a friend of mine was working with George Lockhart, um, so he sent me his programs. And then um, there was another guy who did like an article on um, he released like a like a go to guide on weight cuts, and we used a lot of his stuff. And then um, we sort of got the idea of what was game read into some source now I mean SSC coach was reading study after study and um really perfecting what you could do and like my weight cuts are awesome now do you know I mean like um like don't get me wrong they're hard but um I've never had a cut where I thought I'm shit I'm gonna fail weight here like we've always made weight relatively easy. Like the last cut was probably the biggest cut I've done and um like we got down to point two over, over the weight, and I was like, "Look, that's perfect." And he's like, "Look, I, I, I prefer to come right down." I was like, "Look, by the time I get changed, I get the venue, and we wait for weigh-ins, I'll be fine." And I remember, by the time it was my turn to, to weigh in, I was I'd lost and I lost point three, so I was point one and under championship weight, so I was hundred and forty, I don't know hundred fifty four point nine. So it was perfect. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, isn't it? But like, it's. You kind of, it's a learning experience every time like isn't it it's only when you kind of it, when it goes right you look back and go oh that's what it's meant to be like the last time was a disaster really not a disaster but you know it's it's yeah yeah, yeah. You kind of it's a learn it's oh, yeah, true experience like, you learn <laughs> we have bad we've had bad experiences and like different stuff happened and like i know friends who had certain problems like i remember um when uh, like the snow we had an extreme bout of snow on one of the fights that meant fight that so um, i ended up going um to Cardiff and checking in the hotel the night before because I was like, if this snow comes in bad, I'm not going to be able to make it. And um, a lot of guys didn't make it in because the snow was bad. So I remember, um, like, because where I'm from, um, I'm from like really high up in the mountains. So if it snows, they, you're, you're fucked. You know what I mean? So um, uh, like we got to the hotel, made sure we had a bath all sorted. So like, I made sure I was there. I was the official way. There was no, I'll send you the video, the video the scales from the house. Like it, it was professionally done. And um, I remember like a friend of mine. Um, he was fine to make it in because like, he lives near Cardiff where the Wayans were. And um, <laughs> they were the snow it, um, the snow had melted a little bit. His, his bathroom got flooded and um, literally he couldn't use the bathroom. His hot water got knocked out. So he had hell. He had a nightmare. So do you mean like, these things happen and it's just sort of trying to overcome them. But um, yeah, like fair play, I've had pretty decent. Like my, my actual cuts have all gone fine. I, like apart from the first one where I tried doing it myself, um, well, my coach was at home and give me a sort of he said look stay in the bath this long then get out then get back in and do it this long and then get back out and I was like right yeah fine try to do it myself and just help to end end up in a right mess so um, he always makes sure like he's with me doing my weight cuts and he's literally no matter what he sat there helping me through weight cuts and like it makes a big difference just having someone to help you in and out of the bath like I know it sounds stupid but you're cutting that much weight you try to get on a bath with, with your light head and stuff, you take a fall and that's your fight then, do you know what I mean? So it's just being smart and like, like you said, one percent. Yeah. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, I've had some, I've had some big enough cuts because like I, I, I fight small, like I fight only at, I fight at 57 kilos. So the yeah. last couple of times, like I've had a couple of bigger cuts like, like that, the more I, <laughs> the, horrific cuts. But the more like, yeah, but see, the thing is like, the more I've put research into it and like I've like that, I read a lot of studies and read a lot of guys who would be like yeah. high up in it and it's like I've done yeah. the cuts have got bigger but I've also get better at them because the knowledge is there yeah, definitely. but definitely the last one I did I, it was 
it was a lot of ways the most weight I've caught in like that coming out of the sauna you're lightheaded you can you, to, you kind of have to stop a little bit after a couple of steps and stuff so that was uh, yeah. not ideal but that was something else yeah it, it, thankfully there was another there was another one or two guys who were cutting some weight as well so they were in the sauna as well so that was that was needed you know when you're, you're in the trenches together like to get through it yeah definitely definitely whereas like UFC I know um like I've seen this before where there's two boys who have been fighting each other have sat in the saunas together and cut weight it's like how old would that be do you know I mean like like I wouldn't be sat in the sauna with someone fighting cutting weight especially you don't it's not so much preset matches I know you sort of turn up the day and then they match on the day as much as I know from the TAGB guys and stuff so it's not so much for pickle but you don't really want to be sat there with someone you know you're fighting the next day or you've been training for eight weeks and he's sitting next to him in the sauna and they're both sweating it out and you all both must be just thinking, oh shit, they just want to get this done so I can punch this guy in the face. Yeah, which you could end up with them with the, that kind of Tyson Fury and Vladimir Klitschko story where it's a competition like who's going to get out first and, you know, next thing, you know, who's <laughs> going to who's gonna cave, like. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, I'm like, um, like these guys who stay in for like 30, 35 minutes, I don't know how you do it. Like, I stay in the bath for what 15 20 minutes no problem but um you try to keep me in the sauna i'll have a breakdown you know what i mean i i hate the things yeah i find you you have to you have to take off a good chunk at the start that because that's all when you can handle it the most um yeah so i feel like that's gonna be the, the longer you can stay in at the very start the better and then after that then obviously it's 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 much more of a grind that you have to much we try and stick i suppose to your 20 minutes kind of slots yeah yeah yeah, hundred percent, mate. And that's the same with bars. Like we'll do a set amount of times. So normally we wait till we start sweating, and as soon as you start sweating, then we time it from there. So like we'll do like fifteen minutes, then um, then actually we'll wrap in towels and blankets when you get out, and you literally stay in the towels until you stop sweating. And like um, like I've 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 lost like four kilos in one bath, like three kilos in one bath before, and stuff like that, and it's like it's flown off. And other times then I've gone in the bath and I've lost like. We've been in the bath 15 minutes or 20 minutes, and then we've been in towels like 30, and I come out and I've lost like 0.4. <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> fuck. Uh, so it's just the way it goes sometimes. But um, you know what I mean? It's just part of the process. Yeah. So then, like, a fight, uh, kind of, what would a, a fight camp training schedule look like? Because obviously things have been a bit thrown off now, but if you were in fight camp, what would a training schedule look like in terms of like, how many strength and conditioning sessions to your MMA sessions, thought of? So a normal strength, a normal um, fight camp would be three S and C sessions, um, three runs. Uh, I do a lot of long distance running, so um, I do all moment runs on the treadmill as well. So I normally end at the knockout. Like I do an eight, eight, eight and a half k in about forty five minutes. So it's nothing fast, just nice steady pace, um, especially on the treadmill, and just get it done. Um, I end up doing one. Sorry. Two, three kicking sessions, uh, taekwondo, one Thai session, um, five boxing sessions, and then I don't know how much you do two wrestling sessions. So it's weird. So like, uh, like a Tuesday is a perfect example for it. So I wake up, I get the I wake up, go straight to the gym. So I normally wake up at twenty past three, uh, seven. The gym's fifteen. Uh, go past seven. The gym's fifteen minutes away. So I get up, go straight to the gym, get there fast at seven. Kick for an hour, um, do a kicking session, then go straight, uh, jump in the ring and do 30 minutes of pads. My pad coach is straight off because I'm warm from kicking, so I'll do 30 minutes of straight off pads. Um, then go upstairs, get changed, my running trainers on and run for an hour. 
that's my morning session. And then um, I go from there, go my breakfast stuff, and then I go back and I'll do um, uh, light, light jiu-jitsu, so just running through some techniques and drilling stuff and just like really, really low-calorie stuff. And then I go home, have a sleep, have some food, and then um, go to a, like either a Thai session at night or like an or a jiu-jitsu session wherever's there. And then um, most of the time, I just run a bit of technique or sparring, depending on what's going on. And it's just trying to make sure everything's included. So like like I'm really big of pushing them where I do like a, a kicking session, a pad session, or a running session all in one. So like I'm only doing what two and a half hours instead of splitting them all through the day. I get two and a half hour blast done. I go home, I can have some food, relax a bit, and then go do a light session, then go home and sleep before doing a hard session of the night. So, sorry, this all is right. being back in camp. I'm yawning yeah, all the time. Um, but, um, yeah, it's just making sure you tick, like I said, tick all your boxes, get everything done. But, like, sometimes I can do something like something mad, like 35 hours of sessions a week. Um, do you mean, like, in add up, like, like, what's that? I do two and a half hours there. I'll do an hour and a half in the night and an hour and a bit there. So, what's that? Two and a half, five five and a half six hours a day sometimes um sessions do you mean i do that five six days a week so sorry much sessions then some sessions i go to and like you you won't sweat um you'll have like a light home up and then you'll just literally drill um and like you you, you don't even sweat do you mean it's just drilling and doing a bit and then i'll sit sparring out because like I, I know i've got like boxing sparring the next day or grammar sparring the next day so it's just getting done Again, sorry, I keep spawning. Are we oh, starting that, you off now? It's all good. It's all good. Well, then, so did, would, you, would you spare then? Uh, so would you do a lot, much MMA sparring then? Full-on sparring. So I normally do one um, MMA sparring session. Um, like a boxing or a kickboxing sparring in um, a week as well. So I try and do like two sparring sessions a week. Sometimes it can do three, but um, I find two is a good number for me with everything else. Um, obviously, I'll do jiu-jitsu sparring as well and wrestling sparring in one of my sessions as well, but like they don't have the same sort of like impact on your body. Like a good wrestling session with a good opponent um, and training partners, like you can push hard, but you don't really get injured. Like your body doesn't get that beat up. Um, jiu-jitsu is the same, do you know what I mean? Um, like you'll be tired and like your arms will be aching or stuff like that, but it's not the same, do you mean? I'm not getting hit in the head. So, like, anything that requires impact, I don't be doing the tire, do you mean? Whereas I can jiu-jitsu spar when I'm half asleep <laughs> four nights a week. It's no problem, do you mean? Because worse than the worst, you get stabbed, you just tap, whereas you take a big shot in the head and it's, it's a bit different. Yeah, I like that. You don't want to be taking a big shot like that and keep you out of a couple of days of training. No, definitely not. I already take enough impacts to the edge, I mean, like, so um, it's trying to minimize and protect my brain as much as possible. Like, um, I want to be able to eat dinners for 40 years to turn the line, do you know I mean? I, I don't want to be eating slurring even more than I do now. So um, it's just making sure, like, I'm prolonging my career as much as possible and protect my brain as much as possible because, like, Look at UFC now, you know, eventually, like, somewhere along the line, you're going to get into a war. Um, and, it, like, when you fight those guys in the, in the top 10, top 20, like, they're guys you're going to have to kill. And all just guys you're going to be able to go out and just knock out. They're guys you're going to have to get into an absolute battle with. with. And sometimes it's 25 minutes of nonstop just destroying each other. So the, the more I protect my brain now, the better it's going to be, uh, do you mean, 10 years down the line. Yeah, there's, well, there's there's only so many of those big impacts that you there's like a, there's like a limit and 
everyone it just takes away at it and you want to save most of them Chained for the fight and all sorts. yeah so like before, I suppose Nelly just before we, we finish up if you had to it's a question yeah. I kind of ask most people is if you if you oh, had so. to if you had to pick a, a favourite fighter a favourite fighter to watch uh, who would you pick? Oh god see I, I like a mix of fighters so um, we'll do different sports <laughs> yeah go on list them boxing, off <laughs> um, boxing I, I love watching Vasya Lomachenko um like I, I love the way he flows through stuff and his, the way he literally his combos and everything he mixes in very well. Um, kicking sport, um, I'm a massive fan of oh Michael Venom Page is one. Um, I like this kickboxing. Um, who was the other one? There's another guy. Uh, he fights MMA as well now. Um, who's who's the guy who fights in Bellator and he threw the spinning hook kick? Raymond um, Daniels. Like a, it might have been like a 360 or 460. Raymond Daniels. And after it, Raymond Daniels is another yeah. um, another one I really like. Um, MMA then. Um, obviously, Habib's wrestling is legit. I like Pori's striking. Um, Israel Adesanya's got some crazy good skills. Um, John Jones. Jimmy, John, who doesn't like John Jones? Uh, GSP all the way through was someone I liked. Jimmy, like, there's loads. Um, Ken Shamrock. Um, Chuck Liddell I remember back in the day when Chuck Liddell used to bang everyone out Anson Silva um, Rosen Amajunas I like um, JJ uh, Shivshenko got probably the best kicking skills in UFC at the moment yeah um, she's, she's both, an animal she's an animal <laughs> I think Shivshenko could beat her mind like they, there's loads of fighters and I can't really ever nail one down um, John Jones was always my favourite fighter when I was um of this generation when I was a bit younger so when I was thinking going back into MMA before we go he started popping all the time John Jones was my favourite fighter to watch and now I think he's a little bit done I think he's on the on the outskirts coming back but I'll I'll go with John Jones then let's say John Jones yeah good pick good pick uh, if you had to pick a favourite fight to watch what would be your favourite fight of all time oh god um, is Lola this is Roy McDonald. Yeah. Like, oh, well. Do you mean like the Lola broke Robbie Lola uh Lola broke um Robbie's nose in I don't know how many different places. Uh, and um not Robbie's nose, um Rory's nose and um Rory all, all uh, tore Lola's lip off. Like they literally just stood and traded for like the entire fight then. It was such an exciting fight to watch. Yeah. You see, one eighty nine. That was a that was an unbelievable card alone as well. That was like that was, but that was only the co-main event. The fact you, you remember I mean? that number that is shocked me. That's that that is legit um, fan skills. That is to be to be fair. You remember the card name like fair play. So, what's uh, your favorite um, favorite fight? Because I can tell you're a big fan as well. My favorite MMA fight. Um, I think it's it's probably Dan Henderson and Shogun Hua, the first one. Oh yes, definitely, definitely, um, definitely. Um, if I was to pick a boxing fight, I'd probably pick uh, Eric Morales and Marco Antonio Barrera, the first one. Don't think I've seen that one actually. I think I'll have to go back and watch that. Yeah, that was a that was a war. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. decision was maybe a little bit controversial, but um, that's boxing. Un- un- <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable fight though. That's yeah, boxing. They'd be, they'd be my favorite. Yeah. Definitely. Um, 
Yeah, Lawler, that was a that was a war. Did you? There was a clip that I saw the other day that where Rory McDonald said that he would. Do you remember when they at the end of the fourth, I think, and they were staring at each other? Lawler kind of squared up, and McDonald kind of mm-hmm. said that he just wanted to just show that he wasn't hurt. That like he was just trying to put on that poker yeah. face and just don't don't let him know you're hurt. His don't nose let him know you're is hurt. in like three pieces. Oh, yeah. I okay. remember after after, after that fight because um, uh, Joe Duffy, who I trained with a lot when I was a kid, um, he trained out uh, in TriStar, which where Law, uh, Rory McDonald was training. And um, he said after the fight, like Rory had loads of plastic pieces primed with nose, his nose reconstructed because they they broke it that bad. Fuck. That's just that's crazy, like yeah. But but you could kind of yeah, it just looked like that, like the just the the shot he took, like it's just it wasn't even that it wasn't like he even made a decision to go down. It was just like you know one of them things is just like the body kind of nearly goes into the shot and just yeah hit the hit the ground hole. He's not yeah. But yeah, that's a fantastic. He was gonna win that fight, man. I think he he was winning, sure. Mm. He was ahead on the cards, so. Sometimes you just can't take no more, Jimmy. And that's that's the time you should shoot. <laughs> just take him down. Take him down and hold on to him. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, hell of a war. Well, yeah, I think we'll wrap it up there. Um, thanks a minute for coming on. I've really enjoyed the chat. Pleasure, man. Pleasure. Yeah, so like, uh, it's great that you're going to get back training and hopefully you'll get some fights in and uh, push on for the UFC yeah. fairly soon. A little bit there. I lost you a little bit then. Sorry about that. What did yeah. you say? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, so it's great that you're kind of getting back to, to proper training. Uh, hopefully, yeah. obviously, you get some fights in soon and then you'll be pushing on for the UFC fairly soon as well. 100%, mate. Like um, like I said, UFC is in, uh, inevitable. It's just a matter, matter of when. Um, thanks for having, having me on. Like, I really enjoyed the chat and um, uh, I'll keep an eye on uh, the Taekwondo circuits and obviously see if I can see your name now. Lovely stuff. So take care, man. All the best. Fight. Catch you soon. Bye, mate. Bye.